Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody's lacing up their shoes the same way, regardless if you got drafted or not. You're going to have to come out here and play. So um, that that's kind of just how I look at it now and uh, just kind of put that chip on my shoulder and just kind of, just kind of move forward from that. Welcome to 94 and More, a series presented by Bristol Studio. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and I will be joined by my co-host, Vic Law, shortly. Uh, Today, we are joined by London Prantas. Thanks for jumping on, London. What have you been up to in these last few months? First couple of months of quarantine, just was kind of just staying in the house with everything being so locked down and nobody really knowing what was going on. Um, I probably spent like the first two months of quarantine just doing push-ups and sit-ups and just trying to stay in shape as best as I could until I was able to get in a gym. And I finally found a gym where I I started to work out basketball-wise, like go in there at like 8, 9 p.m. just so I can get in there by myself and stuff. So um, these past couple of months, I've really just been working out and trying to stay healthy and trying to stay out of the way and stay away from COVID, to be honest. So Yeah, uh, just, <laughs> it's a, just, a uh, tough, tough challenge for yeah, sure. Exactly. Trying to do that and also stay ready, you know what I mean? So like that's also yeah. a, that's a hard thing as well. So. So for those who maybe aren't familiar with you, do uh, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? I'm from Santa Monica, California. Uh, went to Crespi High School in Encino, California. Played basketball there. Played my first year, freshman year of football. So I broke my wrist and then I gave up my football dreams. And then um, started to focus more on basketball. And then I ended up getting a full ride to University of Virginia and played four years there um, in the ACC. Professionally, I was on a two-way with the Cleveland Cavaliers my first year, my rookie year. And then I played in France my second year. And then my third year, I did a training camp with the Trailblazers and then uh, went overseas for maybe a month or month and a half did you play football and basketball growing up yeah i played three sports football basketball and baseball all the way up until my freshman year what was it about basketball that stood out to you and, and made you want to focus on it um i don't know it's always i think that was my first sport that i like was introduced to by my dad so um maybe that kind of was the deciding factor, but I'm not, sh- I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I think it might just be kind of just the, I, I think I just liked uh, the game of basketball more. I mean, obviously it's a very fast paced game compared to baseball and then not as physical as football, but it's definitely a physical sport. So um, I think I was just kind of introduced to that first. So I think it kind of just took over when I came to high school and I felt like I was probably a little bit better at that sport than the other two too. So. And you grew up playing AAU with Luke, who's our creative director, and Masai, yeah. another co-owner of the brand. But you were two years younger than Luke, right? So did you uh, always play up with the older teams? Yeah, I was as a yeah, I was always playing with older older kids, um, which is why I ended up becoming real close friends with Luke and Masai, just being growing up and just being that younger guy. I've always played that way up until I think high school, which is when I mean, even then you still play it. I played varsity as a freshman. So um, I think that kind of just played into how I, I was able to grow 
with my abilities and stuff, being able to play against older guys and kind of just take those lumps as a younger younger kid and kind of learn from that. And um, But yeah, playing against older guys my whole life, I definitely think helped me with my basketball abilities for sure. So what made you choose Crespi? You were from Santa Monica, right, originally? Yeah. I was born in L.A., moved to Santa Monica, probably was around seven or eight. And then after meeting Masai when, we were, when I was young, he ended up going to Crespi a year before I was able to go. So um, I kind of just really just followed him and, um, and wanting to do that private school path. Very football dominant, but when I got there, kind of moved towards a more basketball school as the time went on as my four years went by. So um, I really was just following Masai, to be honest. And he said he liked it a lot. Um, and it ended up being good for both of us. Did you take pride in making it into a basketball school? Did you see that as a challenge to try to go there and create the same energy that existed around football, but for basketball? Yeah, I mean, it was, I definitely wasn't thinking about that going into it. I really was just mm -hmm. excited to, uh, I mean, I played, like I said, I played football going into it. I knew that it was a powerhouse. So like going into that as well, even me being a basketball player, that way there was a lot of hype around surrounding that football, that football team. So just kind of going into it, I was really hyped to even just be a part of a football program. And then our basketball, we actually kind of just took off my freshman year. We won a, a CIF championship. Um, and then from then on, it just kind of, I just got, I got better. And then every year our team just got better. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't my mindset coming into it, but uh, it definitely happened uh, as the time went on. What were those first few years like uh, at Crespi? As you said, you played varsity as a ninth grader. So what, what were those first few years like? Were you starting yeah. or were you trying to build your way onto the team? No, I was building my way on the team. To be honest, I, uh, when the first list came out of who was on varsity jv and freshman i was put on a jv team um mm -hmm. when the first list came out uh i don't want to throw messiah underneath the bus but i think he was <laughs> on there too <laughs> so you can throw messiah you can throw him under the yeah, bus right so we um it was like that kind of shocked me at the beginning to be honest um just like I, I felt like i was good enough to play varsity as a freshman and then for that to be the first thing uh, that happened was to be put down to JV, um, which we had some guys, we had some older guys and older guards that were pretty solid, but it was kind of a, it was kind of a slap in the face, to be honest. And uh -huh. uh, that was kind of how it started. And then I progressively kind of just kept proving myself. And then I ended up making it to varsity before the season started. Sorry, what did you do in that, in that time period to earn your way on the varsity before the season started? Yeah, I think I think it was just more so the coach being able to see me more, you know, what I mean, just mm -hmm. just kind of me being underneath his eye and him being able to see the way I play and the way that I was able to help uh, the team win, regardless of what I was doing, whether that was scoring or passing or things like that. I needed to show myself and kind of show that I could help the team win. And the more that I was able to be underneath his wing and kind of show him that I could play, he kind of gained more trust in me and then put me pulled me up to varsity before the season started but then I sat I sat I was on the bench I was and I, I didn't start until my sophomore year to be honest I came off the bench my whole freshman year so um yeah I mean it was a it, it started off a little bit slow but progressively every year just my role got bigger and better and I just stepped into that and then once you reached your senior season where you were really kind of the guy on the team, averaging 19 points, actually 19.9 points and 5.8 assists. Uh, what was that season like for you? 
Oh, it was fun. It was probably the most fun I've had playing basketball. Um, just knowing that I was that older guy and I ha having to lead my team and, and try and win as many games as we could and, and just kind of leave my mark. I, I, it was my last chance to kind of leave my mark on the school and things like that. So um, going into that season, I was already committed to Virginia. I'd already signed my letter of intent. So I was just going out there and playing free and um, just being able to have fun and not really have to worry about where I was going to be going to next and worried about what who what school was at the game and who was going to offer me and things like that. So I think committing early, signing early kind of played a part in letting me be able to go out there and just play and have fun. And that kind of showed in, in my stats. Jake, what's up? Oh, what's Sorry, up? You what's know, up, what's good? I'm finally back in. Hey. <laughs> London, what's up, dude? It's good to, to hear your story, son. And, uh, and I guess finally formally meet you. Uh, yeah, Vic. I mean, we play we uh, played against each other though, so we uh, <laughs> for sure, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we we kind of um, know guess, each other. I guess I will ask um, because I I kind of went through the same thing. You know, I committed early, and uh, it resonated with me. You saying that the press the pressure of whatever you know it may be looking over your shoulder for coaches or whatever that next step might be the you know the unknown is mm -hmm. no longer there. Can you kind of like take us into like like how that actually played out for you? And how basketball yeah. turned into now you can just enjoy your senior season and just yeah. play freely. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was it was it was a, a huge thing for me. Uh, that was kind of something that I wanted to do um, going into that last AAU summer. I definitely wanted to kind mm -hmm. of figure out where I was going to be going in going uh, for my freshman year of college and. Uh, Virginia actually offered me after the very last AAU tournament. So it kind of was all mm -hmm. happened fairly quickly. Um, right. But, um, you know, I, you know, when it comes down to when you know where you're supposed to go, like you just know. And so when I when I went to my official, I, I kind of already felt that that good vibe. And I just was very content and being up, committing there early. And, and, you know, I wasn't I didn't have any holdbacks or. I wasn't waiting on any anybody else or any other college, so mm -hmm. I kind of just took that leap of faith, obviously. And it's a a long trip from California to Virginia, but I, I <laughs> absolutely playing playing play, playing in the ACC also was something that I couldn't really I didn't really want to turn down. I mean, playing against those top of the line blue bloods and night in and night out. I mean, it's hard to as a basketball player. That's what you want to do. That's what you grew up wanting to do and, and wanting to play, play and compete against the best. So. I had the opportunity and it was hard to turn down and that just allowed well, me to 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 kind of get get better my senior year and kind of just keep pushing and get ready for my freshman year. Absolutely. You know, Jake, uh, you know, kind of sent me some homework to <laughs> to see your your background of work and see your resume. And yeah. you know, you were a scorer in in high school uh from what yeah. it, you know what it seemed like. And you know, talk about Virginia because you know you going from Cali across country to Virginia and you're playing under a coach, Tony Bennett, who's more mm. of a defensive minded coach. So yeah. I, I understand playing in the ACC. So about how do you wrap your mind around then you're going into a system that is much more defense oriented. Yeah. I, it was definitely uh, a lot of people. When I, when I said I was going to commit a lot of coaches that I had played for before had been asking me, like, have you seen their style of play? Like, have you, have you know that he's a defensive minded coach? And I, I, I mm. kind of knew that um coming in but i knew that he also played point guard at the highest level so being able to to kind of learn underneath him and, and kind of just grow underneath him was was another big thing and 
really one of the reasons why I committed there was on my official visit, he kind of took me into his office and broke down clips of what I needed to do better to be uh, a, to be a professional player or to even just be a, a good player at the ACC level. Like that was one of the first things he did on my official compared to other people where they were just boosting all my highlights and things like that and like making right. it look like extremely <laughs> good. You know what I mean? And, and obviously mm -hmm. that's obviously you need that. You know what I mean? But he challenged me, you a little bit. My, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He challenged me from the get go. And that was even before I committed. So that, that kind of stuck out to me. And regardless of the style of play, I knew that he played point guard at the highest level. So um, I was going to be able to just pick his brain and, and try and just learn. I want to stay on that point. I think that your relationship with, with your coach there was very interesting. Can you speak a little bit more about how that developed over your, your time at Virginia? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've always had a very um, good relationship on and off the floor on the court because he was a point guard. He kind of knew um, my role and what I would need to do. And we were able to bounce things off of each other in terms of what I saw on the court or something that he may have saw that I didn't see or something that I may have saw that he didn't see. And so like we had a relationship where we were able to bounce things off of each other and he never took it as, Oh, I was trying to play his role and be a coach or anything. It was just more. So we just had that relationship where we were able to throw ideas off each other and maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, maybe he liked it, maybe he didn't, but there was never a point where he kind of looked at it in a sour way as if I was trying to, overstep my boundaries which made it a lot easier for me to play because I knew I was able to speak my mind and speak to whatever I saw and not worry about what he not worry about making him upset or, or rubbing him the wrong way so that was that that kind of that kind of started from when I first stepped on campus and um I, when I first started my, my freshman year I didn't start at the beginning of the season halfway through the season at ACC's play when it started is when I when I got a starting position in, on the team. And from then on, we kind of just had an even better relationship of just being able to kind of trust in each other because, I mean, I was the point guard for the team. So he had to trust me and I had to trust him for, for things to work. And so that that relationship definitely just kind of built, it on, built on that for sure. So you tied a program record with 138 games played and scored – 1,225 points in your entire Virginia career. And a lot of people look at, you know, that time as what really formed the, the Virginia team that is today that just won a national championship. What does all of that success mm -hmm. mean to you? Were you able to think about it while it was happening or do you find yourself reflecting on it more now? Yeah, actually with this downtime that we have, well, that I have, I I've been obviously reflect reflecting on my past and, and just kind of, all the stuff that I haven't really had a time to to kind of look back on to because uh, once you're graduated from college, you go right into that pre-draft workouts. Mm -hmm. You you don't have any time to sit there and kind of think and kind of like look back at, at your college career and things like that. As soon as you're done, you got to go off and start working for that next step. And so with this time off, I've just definitely been kind of looking back and, and kind of just even just watching some games. Like there's some games that I've never even seen before or I've never rewatched or anything like that. So like kind of just doing that with this time off and things like that. But yeah, I definitely was a pivotal part in the change. And um, it, it's, it's just, it's just great to see. It's great to look back and, and to, to see us finally get that national championship. Like it felt like I was out there on the floor just because of all that work that we had put in beforehand, those four years. And 
everything and just kind of laying that foundation for 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 the guys that come after us and um i'm just super proud of the program and where it is now and i was just happy to be a part of it i was gonna say let, let's talk about um your college experience and let's just say you know in terms of all the success that you you've had and you've garnered especially with building type of program that Virginia is or helping build that program. Would you say like looking back on everything, would you give up that success to have a bad season and have gone one and done? Uh, that's a tough question right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 if I'm going one and done, am I being drafted in the first round? That's another question. Yeah. <laughs> cause, yeah. cause you're, cause you're, we'll you're, say you're you a lot of pick, you're a lot of pick. Yeah. Well, see, that's, that's, t- I, I mean, I was I was ne- I was obvi- I was blessed to be in a situation where my parents were able to provide for my, myself and my other brothers and my family. So I was never I'm never I was never in a rush to make money. You know, I was never in a rush to have right. to make money to provide. You know, so um, if I was to be selected in the lottery, there's no way that I I I wouldn't I would turn that down. But I don't know college that college career is something that I, I feel like in in even in times like this, where you hear a lot of people going from high school to the G League now, like college, right. that college career is something that you can't really replicate. You know, like even just being able to be on campus and be able to go to classes and things like that. I, in the moment, it might suck, like being going mm-hmm. to school and going to class might suck, but it's just something that you can't replicate. And I think it's a big part of a lot of people's lives, and it's a so where a lot of people become men and become grown women and things like that. So I mean, it's a it's a t- it's tough. There's definitely pros and cons to both sides. So, do you think <laughs> there's a um a trade off? Like, you know, like a lot of NBA teams nowadays, they're going for the youth. You know, whether or not the those players are ready. And I think yeah. a lot a big thing in, in draft nowadays is potential. And kind of going along, you you know, I've kind of experienced a similar path. I went undrafted, being a senior. And just talk about, like, do you think there is still a lot of value in those older players who have had experience and, and seen winning successful seasons as mm-hmm. they move forward towards the draft? Yeah, I think I think it, um, you can definitely get some a lot of value out of the guys that are the fourth year, fifth year seniors. Because, I mean, obviously they're older, they have grown into their body more, they're probably a lot stronger and things like that. Um, I think a good person that when it talk when you talk about seniors and things like that was Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon right. won ACC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year and still went second round because he was a fifth year. I think it's I think obviously they they when they do spend a lot of money they want to make it or when they draft the kids high they they want to make it a longer a more a, a bigger project because they're going to be spending a lot of money on that on those guys. So it's about I think it, it kind of, a lot of it is. It kind of money related and wanting to build guys from the ground up, want to mold them into what they what they want them to be, and and it's harder to do right. that when you have a fifth year senior coming in as a rookie when he's already twenty four, twenty three years old. So, um, sure. I definitely, I definitely, yeah. I mean, it's hard because you, you got the young guys that are freak athletes that are that you see their upside is crazy. Their their upside is ridiculous. So it's hard not to bet on that they're they are they're the gms and things like that love to gamble on things like that and and mm-hmm. sometimes they sometimes they hit big and sometimes they don't but it can go either way you can do that with fifth years too you can hit big with a fifth year or you can hit, you can't so i mean it, 
it's it's tough. I, I definitely don't want to be in that position where I got to make that call. So. so on on the topic of college still, before we move into the NBA draft, when you were building a successful program, um, you have to build team chemistry, right? You have to to build a common goal and find ways to work together to push each other. Can you speak to some of that process mm -hmm. for you and that experience that you went through as the point guard on that team to help set the precedent for how everyone else was going to move and work basically for that year or for that uh, each season? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think I think Coach Bennett just did a, a extreme job at that. He always, uh, no matter what, if we had a new team that that year, then the year before, he just had everybody bought into the, the program, like. He was a very good job. He did a very good job at recruiting guys that were able to buy into what he wanted. Um, or he was just a, a, a great motivator and got it out of us into buying, buying into the program. We don't win those amount of games that we do without everybody being bought into one thing, one, and one, and one team. And so, um, I don't necessarily know how much I did with that because I had a lot of people around me up into my senior year with, Malcolm Brogdon and Joe Harris and a lot of older guys that kind of laid the, the the table down for me to kind of just follow to to be able to to slip right in and kind of just move, mesh with everybody mm -hmm. and things like that. So I, I think Coach Bennett did a real good job at just kind of one recruiting the the type of guys that he wanted on the team that were gonna buy in, and then two just being able to motivate us and get it out of us and. Like I said, like like Vic said earlier, we were a defensive minded team and not many people want to come out to college and play defense like we did. And like so you have to recruit people that are don't have egos or just ready right. to just do whatever it takes to win. And he did he did a really good job at that. What was draft night like mm -hmm. for you? What were you thinking about during that time as you were watching the draft? I was just kind of not uh, nervous is the word, I guess. Um but nervous. I was up and I didn't necessarily know anything. I didn't have any, I didn't, nobody told me, oh, we're thinking of like, we're going to take you in this spot or anything like that. So I was really just kind of watching to, to see if anything had popped up or, or, or whatever. And if not, then I was just going to wait to see after the, what, what kind what summer camps that I, that I get invited to and things like that. I, I was really, I was really just kind of in the dark mm -hmm. with that um, because I didn't necessarily have anybody uh, committing was, to me early saying that, oh, we're looking at you in this spot. Was that tough like for you that, to so. go through after all that success and everything you've kind of been through up until that point? Yeah, it was tough. Seeing people that have maybe gotten drafted late in the second round that have been put into certain situations that weren't beneficial for them just even though they did get their name called and things like that and um I, as you guys know there, there's a lot of politics and everything and basketball too um and i knew that if it came down to it it w obviously that it's a dream it would have been a dream come true to hear my name get called and um but that that's just not that just wasn't laid out in my path for me and obviously i still was able to fit, find a way to make it to the league and um get some time and it just mm -hmm. wasn't in my path and i wish i, I wish it was but it, it happened it didn't happen that way how did they motivate you uh, I mean, it, it motivated me. It still motivates me just because I, I bet you can name everybody <laughs> in your draft class that got drafted before you. You definitely so can. I, I, <laughs> I probably, I probably can't <laughs> exactly. So I, I probably can't too. And it's, it's just always going to be in that back, back of your mind. And just because that's such a lifelong dream of yours and to a kind of point in time, it would have been a, some sort of validation in that moment. 
But right. outside of that, you know, it's just get, it, you got to everybody's lacing up their shoes the same way, regardless if you got drafted or not. You're gonna have to come out here and play. So um, that that's kind of just how I look at it now, and uh, just kind of put that chip on my shoulder and just kind of just kind of move forward from that. After the 2017 yeah. NBA draft, you signed a deal with the Miami Heat. So what were those discussions that you were having with that team? Did it seem like the right fit for you and the right time? So um, I just I ended up just doing the tra- the summer summer league. So that's what I ended up signing the summer league uh, deal with Miami. But they drafted Bam Adebayo mm-hmm. out of uh, out of Kentucky. So that was the same year, and they didn't have any point guards on the team going into the summer league. So it was hard for me to turn down playing with a big man that just got drafted and somebody mm-hmm. I could throw alley oops to at that. So. <laughs> Um, it, it was just, it was, it, yeah, it was just, it was just hard to kind of turn that down. And, um, they said that I was going to be able to get a lot of time and, and they uh, ended up getting a, a good amount of time to be able to showcase my skills. And it was really more so about that, but also a fit in terms of having a big man that they were going to try and run through and me being a passing point guard. It was, it worked because I knew that they were going to be wanting to get him the ball and things like that. And, so that, that ended up working out uh, perfectly with that. So. And then after that, you signed with the San Antonio Spurs before being waived before the start of the season in October 2017. And then you signed a two-way contract with the Cavs six days yeah. later. What was that like, kind of being bounced around and going through mm-hmm. kind of the business of the NBA? I mean, it was it was cool. It was my first taste of it. It was uh, tough to hear your to to go in there and and, and talk to RC Buford and he brought brings you aside and tells you that they have they're gonna waive you and things like that. Absolutely. That's tough. I mean, it's yeah. not much. Not not too many people talk about that that side of of things, and um, that that's one of the toughest things to hear is because you you you, you obviously want to be a part of that team. You want to be playing in the NBA, and um, so that's a tough thing to hear. And then kind of just going back and. I actually went home and was just at home for a week or so and was thinking that I was going to go back to Austin for the G League to start the G League season. And I uh, just got a random call like the day before the first game about um, Cleveland. And I was on a flight the next morning uh, out there. Um, so at that point, it was kind of like everything happened for a reason. And I talk about this with Masai all the time. Was it smart? Obviously, playing in the NBA was my was going to be uh, obviously that's my goal. But was it smart, you know, in terms of setting myself up for the future? And would I, but would I have been better being in the G League for the Spurs and kind of being in that system, thinking that maybe that fit me? You know, you know, there's so many things that go along with yeah. the decision make the decisions that you make and um, things like that. And, and like, I, I wouldn't trade that, that experience for the world that I had with the Cavs. And I obviously wish I was able to contribute more, but that's a championship team that, um, that I, that I was kind of going into as a rookie. So that, so that was, with the Cavs, you signed a two-way contract. So you played for the Canton charge and for the, the actual Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, yeah. what was that process like getting used to splitting time between two teams? I mean, this is something that Vic has been has been realizing uh, and going through in his own way, but I'm curious to hear what that process was like for you. Yeah, it was it was a little tough. I mean, the way that I think that was the first year that the two ways had started, um, so that everybody was trying to figure out how how logistically to run it, you know. So because I was playing Canton is an hour hour and a half away from Cleveland, and there would be times where I would be in Canton practicing in Canton at like three o'clock. And then I'd have to be 
at in Cleveland at like for an 8 a.m. practice the next morning. And I'm out there with no car. <laughs> so like that, another thing that that didn't make it any easier either. So I'm over here Ubering. They wouldn't come pick you half. up though? Bro, uh, tr- only sometimes. That's only tough. sometimes. <laughs> so I'm over here Ubering an hour and a half either after practice or even after a can game. I would play games at six o'clock. I'd be done eight, nine o'clock. And I'm getting in a car and going going from there in a blizzard from Canton to Cleveland to make it to an 8 a.m. practice in the morning. So like it was logistically, it was a, it was tough. Um, but in that situation, there's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. I'm I'm being called up to play to be a part of the NBA team, and that's something that I wanted to to do, and I wanted to be there as much as I could. So I had to just make. I mean, it was I was sleeping on those hour and a half rides for sure. But there was definitely a time where me and Masai had to drive in a blizzard. Um, two dudes from Santa Monica, California, driving in a blizzard in Ohio where we can't even see can't five imagine. feet ahead of us. Just so I can make it to that Cleveland practice in the morning. <laughs> so what was that? I mean, obviously, it sounds like a very difficult adjustment uh, being on the two-way contract when the NBA was still very much figuring out what that looked like. But speaking more to the style of play, what were the adjustments yeah. like from college? Oh, completely different. I mean, like Vic said, we were uh, our style of play was was uh very different in college, very slow paced, um, but very defensive minded. And you get to the NBA, defense is a lot different because you can't be so compact and you can't be in the key. And there's different rules and people play different styles of defense, and so that kind of changed a lot um, in terms of my mental and. I was so defensive minded that when somebody would get scored on or somebody wouldn't do this, this, and I, <laughs> yeah. I would be hot. Like, because that's just, that's just what was ingrained in me for four years was now nah, we're about to strap up and we're not like, there's nothing else that we're going to do. We're going to strap up at night in and night out. And that mentally wasn't the same going into the G league and like, like G league games were putting up 140 points. Like, come on. Uh, in college, we held the teams in nine points at half. So like, there was no like it, the difference in that was I had to get used to in terms of knowing that it's not going to be the same. We're going to get scored on and playing against professional dudes. Like you're going to get like people are going to score and things like that. And then offensively, everybody's going to play fast. So I had to, definitely had an adjustment to get to to that point um, and trying to just get back into the flow of being able to just go out there and play fast, play free, maybe take that shot with no passes and things like that. So it was definitely an adjustment. Uh, Still is an adjustment, but I'm just like I said, I'm just trying to get better and, and trying to trying to make. So my you way made back. your NBA debut on December 12th of that season. What was that experience like for you? Do you remember that very vividly? Yeah, I I do. It was uh, I want to say Masai was there. He I'm sure he was there. there. Yeah, Masai was always there for big moments in my life, just just randomly too. So, um, but yeah, it was it was amazing just being able to to step out on the floor and. Um, I can't change. I would never take it take it for granted, and I, I I loved every minute of it. Obviously, I wish I was able to get more opportunity to, to showcase myself and be able to show my skills and show that I belonged and things like that. But the experience and being able to be out on the floor and and being able to be a teammate of LeBron's and in his last season in Cleveland and see him go on a tear all year long was. Just it's just incredible to to see and incredible to be around. Hold on, now you can't just say that and not, you know, not kind of walk us through it. So what was it like uh, playing with LeBron? Every <laughs> Man, time you got yeah. it, did you have to swing that ball around? 
No, well, shoot, you know, you know, he plays PG, so you gotta go stand in the corner. So, uh, <laughs> right. <joking. But laughs> no, but it was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, man. Just to see him uh, up close and personal. Obviously, you see his greatness on TV. You see it from afar, but to be able to see it day in and day out, and to see the work that he puts in, and to see the he's a freak athlete, freak freak of nature, but also puts in ridiculous amounts of work. So just being able to kind of see that from behind the scenes kind of gave me even another like spark in terms of picking up my work ethic and kind of right. learning from him and also just learning from all the vets. We had a, a extremely, we had an older team in terms of our got the guys on our team, a lot of veterans from K Love, J.R. Smith, like we, all these guys from different walks of life and but all have been in the league for a long time. So just kind of picking their brain and kind of just, learning from them and but yeah lebron lebron uh i definitely gained a lot of respect from from for him that season i'm a kobe guy i'm from la so i've recently it's always been uh who's better kobe lebron or mike and so i've growing up i've always been a kobe um kobe diehard but i have extreme respect for lebron and um uh, I, I just they're they're their they're their own beast yeah they can so i get into I'm, that, I'm that. <laughs> Yeah. If you can see my face right now, you got what are you it. talking oh. about? He just said, but he, I why, warned he, you. why did he throw Mike He's from, in from Chicago, so. <laughs> hey, why did hey, you throw Mike my, in it, though? My, you said hey, Kobe LeBron. My fault, my fault, my fault. And then you said, and Mike. <laughs> and I, well, no, because, because, Kobe, because Kobe's my goat. That's what I'm saying. And I know that MJ is wait, wait, No, no, no. Kobe is my goat. That's no, what he's I'm saying, saying what I say. Kobe is my goat. If we're speaking objectively and we're talking basketball, who is better? They're all their own beasts. They're all amazing in their own way. We're not going to have that. We don't have time to unpack this, but, um, but yeah, I should have warned you that Vic's a Chicago native. And if you bring up MJ and Kobe, it, it turns into a whole thing. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, but getting back on track, what was, uh, what was the end of that season? Like, you know, being around a championship team. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, um, it was amazing. Just kind of the, my, that was obviously my first play, playoff experience. And then to make it all the way, to uh, the finals and, and to be playing against an, another beast team in the Warriors and kind of seeing that and um, it would just to see the preparation and to, like like I said to see the you see everything on the floor from TV but to see the behind the scenes and to see all the prep and everything all the mental the mental aspects of the game that they locked into differently than what was the regular season and everybody just not took it up 10 levels in terms of being more locked in and um and things like that so just being around that and, and, and kind of seeing how that they were able to flip that switch in terms of going from regular season where you're playing the 81 82 games and, and to now locking in for the playoffs and kind of just having a completely different mentality um, it, it was, it was, a uh, like I said, I, it was an, it was amazing to see and amazing to be a part of. Um, Joey, just to, to clarify, that, that was in 2018. They didn't win the, they didn't win the finals that year, did that? You won in 2017. Yeah, we, got, we got, we got swept. That was, uh, got you. Kate. Yeah, that was yes, the year. Yes, yes. That was JR the year when the, the, the first game was going, kept the Cavs away and then JR messed up on the rebound and that whole thing. Uh, so yeah. then after that Cavaliers yeah. experience, once that season had ended, you signed a deal with a French team. How do you pronounce it? Limoges? Limoges. 
Limoges. What was that experience like for you? And and what was it like to make that decision to go overseas from, you know, being on an NBA court and being on an NBA team? Yeah, it it was tough. Um, Just kind of making that decision and kind of leaving uh, the States. Um, To be completely honest, if we're, uh, it was a, it was probably a money driven decision. Um, that was a something that uh, was some like being fresh out of college doing just did one year um, my whole mental was just making money and finding where that that spot was that I could make the most of it and um, Limoges ended up being that spot um, basketball wise it wasn't the spot for me um, in terms of the head coach and um, just, I don't think we had it. We didn't see eye to eye in terms of, like I to- told you about with coach Bennett, just being able to throw ideas off each other and just being able to speak openly and, and, and just kind of tell him what I'm seeing and kind of listen to him and see what he's seeing. Like we didn't have that relationship and there'd be times where he felt like I was stepping on his toes and trying to do his job and things like that. And, um, we kind of got off on the wrong foot. Um, and that my so my season got cut a little short there, and then I ended up going to Cholet, uh, which is another team in France. Actually, Rudy Gobert is their uh, knight in shining armor. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was funny. That was funny to see. Uh, they have all these big old posters of him all over the city. And, um, but yeah, it was. It Where was is it? Cholet, right? So that is. Yes, yeah, it's Cholet, but it's like west. It's like western part. It's probably like three and a half hours west of Paris. Um, so called on the uh, western the, part. Were the uh, like were you living good your whole time out there? Um, it was. I wouldn't say living good. I, it was. It it was a. It was enough. It was definitely there was. Okay. I, it could have been worse. It could have been worse, and I I definitely was grateful for the it not being worse. Um. But it was the 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 living situation was actually really good. The city itself was super small. Um, mm-hmm. Not many people spoke English, which was kind of tough. So, so moving back to basketball, how did that experience contrast with your experience at uh, Limoges? Um, it was a lot. I, I was it, I went to a team that was kind of on the lower end of the the league, so I was able to have more freedom. Um, was able to kind of be able to do what I could what show my skills and kind of just be able to do what I can do. And in terms of Limoges, it was a little bit different in, in that. And they were a little bit of a better team, a higher ranked team. I had more, I don't, I don't, I think they had a couple of championships recently or something like that. So they were, they were, they kind of had this high standard or whatever. And I, I, they didn't think that I fit in the, into that. Um, but so when it showed, when I got to show, I was able to just be free and be able, was able to play and just kind of keep, I guess, try and win games for this team because they had won maybe like one or two games before I had uh, signed to that team. And so we it was more so just kind of like, look, you go out here and you just need to help win us games and keep us from going down to our second division. And so like that was just allowed me to just kind of go out there and play. Where was your head at during that time? Because for you, you know, having different relationships with your past coaches where – you really get to think freely and play your style of basketball and then running into a coach that feels like you're stepping on his toes by doing that. Yeah. How did that affect your, your mind and, and like your love of the game during Uh, that time? Um, I mean, it was tough being out there obviously by myself in a new country and a, and I, 
can't speak the language. I'm, I can I can do my best, but obviously um, not fluent. So like learning, being out there and then having to go through that was was tough um, just because I was out there alone. But I felt like as a as my basketball career, I didn't necessarily have too many bumps or too many uh, com- conflicts in, 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 in my basketball career. So for me, it was like a it all hit at one time where I was out there by myself, my first time overseas and things like that. And it kind of just hit me in terms of like really just kind of having to learn about myself and like learn about just like kind of yeah like having to dig deep and, and just kind of and really just trying to learn and, and kind of get that love for basketball and and keep that love and make sure that nobody was taking that from me um and that was kind of the hardest part for me was because I was out there by myself going from the gym to my apartment just that was it and and so when basketball wasn't going well I had nothing else to take my mind away from it um, so that kind of was a struggle for me in terms of making sure that nobody's taking my love of the game from me and just still just putting, putting work in and just keeping my head down and, and, and doing what I can to, to be on the and, floor to even just be even just playing yeah. because there were times where I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even play. And that was, and that is my therapy and that's your therapy as a basketball player. So if you're going through it and then you're not being able to play and I'm out there by myself in a completely different country right. that was hard because that was my therapy Yo, London, so uh, so what 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 would you do to get yourself through those the bad days you know it's not it's not always gonna be uh, great or uh sunshine yeah. you know you gonna have days when you don't play or whatever so what would you do like what was your mm-hmm. coping mechanism for those bad days yeah um to be honest i was uh i really started picking up books that was like my first time where i was able to like sit down and have a a lot of free time and then obviously in in college you know you're you're forced to being to reading books you're forced to doing things like maybe reading things that you might not want to read so at that point in time it was I was able to kind of just look into what I wanted to read or what I wanted to read yeah what I wanted to read what I wanted to learn about whether that was some self stuff some some self-care books or just kind of like learning about like mental health or just like different things like that. Or even I read Kevin, uh, Kevin Hart's book was like hilarious. And it was something that <laughs> took my mind, took my mind off of it. And it just kind of gave me some like a com- comedic relief, you know? Right. So like just finding, yeah. finding different things. And, and uh, that, that kind of brought me into my love for books. Now, now I read, I'm always reading. So like, like I said, it that kind of made me learn uh, about myself and kind of just expand my horizons and kind of know that, Basketball might not be always sun and sunshine, you know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. being able to have those things off the court to, to kind of keep that, uh, to keep my, my happiness. For me, basketball and music were something that always went hand in hand. And, like, for me, I always listened to music before games or after rough games just to kind of, you know, center myself. Was there anything that you were listening to during that time to get your mind right? For sure. I, that That came out. Victory Lab came out right before I went out there. And so that was my, that has turned into my number one album of all time because of that, what I was going through in the time that that album had came out. And that album is all about dedication and like fighting and never giving up and the marathon continuing and things like that. And so for me, all that came out at the time that I was finally first 
that was like my first time really going through some stuff basketball wise where I was kind of looking at it as not necessarily negatively, but it wasn't going my way. And so for that to be, that came out at the same time and, and to be able to keep me motivated, to keep me pushing because I was out there by myself. So music is definitely a huge thing. And that, that victory lab came out is right before I went out there and was definitely and was Nipsey somebody that you had listened to sure. beforehand or was it just because that album came out at that time when you were kind of going through that situation in your life that it resonated or were you always kind of following along? No, he was, I've always listened, I've always listened to him, but yeah, like, like I said, I have, I have very, I have, I'm connected to a lot of different mm -hmm. people because of different times in my life. Um, like, uh, some in high school, I have some rap, some artists that I don't necessarily listen to as much, but they always have a place in my heart because of high school is a pivotal time in my life. And, that stuff that we used to listen to all every every single day was something that we needed and you know it got us through high school and things like that so definitely i listened to nipsey but this album definitely hits me a lot harder because of what i was going through at that time and i believe you have a tattoo me, right so. of the marathon continues kind of what that album did for you in that time for sure for sure it was definitely um it was to it was i, I was definitely gonna get something like that and then obviously he had passed away and um just kind of wanted to to kind of give him show my respect for him and then also that was something marathon continues is something that i'm gonna be saying until i'm six feet deep so it's it's that's just how it is and marathon's gonna continue until until that time so um i just wanted to kind of just pay homage and then for sure. after that experience in france and, and you moved to chalet and played there you rejoined the nba for the 2019 summer league uh, with the Pelicans. What was that like going back to the NBA? Did you feel that overseas strengthened your mental toughness and kind of gave you a new approach to the game that you didn't have the first time you entered the NBA? Yeah, it definitely did. But and but also playing in different styles of play, like you also have coming back, you have to kind of re regroup yourself and, and get back into playing that NBA style of play. Because overseas is completely different in terms of that. But um, yeah, that summer league was... Uh, yeah. Nothing like I had ever seen before because I was playing with Zion. So that 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 was a I, that was an adjustment in itself. Like we showed up to our first game and it was. But uh, Masai, <laughs> let me, let me our, uh, London. Let me ask you, um, what uh, what do you think? Like, what's your plan? Like, how long do you think you're gonna give the the NBA? Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, how many yeah. more years will you uh, will you attempt to play summer league or play in the G League? And um, like, when will you just say I'm okay with? If I'm not in, I'm not in. And if I'm in, great. But if not, I'll just go yeah. overseas. I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to kind of gauge that because, I, like, obviously with there's other things involved with that. Like, I, I came back from overseas and told myself that I was going to do maybe two to three more years and try and just, like, push it and try and just push hard and, and try and make it. But then you got stuff like this, like the coronavirus, that like that kind of takes stuff away and kind of just moves kind of moves your plans and, and something that I definitely wasn't attesting to. So um, now I got to think about, I'm, am I going to sit from March to what, the next season starts in December or June? Yeah. So like now that's like 10, nine to 10 months of me not collecting a check or playing games. And so like, there's obviously different things that, that play a part into that. So I can't necessarily give you a, a, a some, a year, 
number on that, but I'm definitely uh, right now. My mindset is to kind of just push it and and give it give it a give it a strong push until I until I make it. And if not, then where we'll does your out what happens yeah, I think that. to stay on that point, you know, talking about where your mind is at. Where is your mind at with all of this versus where you were at? You know, when you first entered the league, can you compare and contrast that? My mindset now, I just mm-hmm. like anybody, um, just getting just more wise, you know, just having gone through the fire, having gone through three years outside of college and, and have knowing that in college you had those, you, you knew what was going to happen every year you came back to your school. Like it was kind of like that same routine. And since I've been out of college, I've been three, it's been three years and I've played on maybe seven to eight different teams, you know? So like having to learn and kind of learning adaptability and learning how to kind of figure out ways to, to kind of just be able to, yeah, like flow with everybody, you know what I mean? Cause you never know what's going to happen. If you're not the top, if you're not the top guys in the league, you're, in, you're what, how do you say it? indisposable, expendable, expendable. expendable. Um, so like just kind of learning that cause that in college out, I was I wasn't like that. I, I knew what was going to happen every single year. I knew who my coach was going to be. I knew the type of style we were going to play. So like just kind of learning how to think of be able to adapt and 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 things like that and just and like my work my work ethic I feel like has gotten stronger um just because now I, I know how to make use of my time better than I did coming out of college and just kind of learning different things like that. You you just you just learn with experience. Um, you take your, you take your fall, you take your tumbles when you, when it comes, but then you just get up and you learn. That's all the questions I have. Vic, do you have anything else you want to ask or London? If you have any questions, you know, feel free to ask away. <laughs> well, you know how, you know how I always finish it, Jake. I'm not going to ask the greatest of all time because he already, you know, he just moves <laughs> that one with the whole COVID thing. I will say, uh, all right, London, right now, name your MVP, defensive player of the year, most, and most improved player and coach of the year. Okay, I'm gonna have to go. Brown MVP, defensive player of the year. I would say I got AD. I mean, AD, right? AD or Gobert? I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Yeah, AD. I got Giannis then, right now winning that. See, I that's what I was, I was saying. If if they give MVP to Brown, they're gonna give deep defensive player of the year to Giannis, just so that he gets something. You, you were mean? saying you're saying if they give Braun MVP. Yeah. Uh, him or Bam, you can't go wrong with either. Him or Bam, you can't go wrong with either. And then coach, coach of the year. I'm going to have to go nurse, to be honest. It's hard to lose yeah. Kawhi. And then you go out there and you're still a, a contender in the Eastern Conference. like that. Agreed. You, you got to be a, a hell of a coach to be able to do that. London, it's been great having you. Great talking to you, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate the oh, time. And uh, looking forward uh, to seeing your success. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio, sound editing by Rashad Allen, music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.